where we're ending this series called The Power of Re. And uh, this morning I want to look at this word remain. Remain, I think it's one of the most important words uh, that we hear Jesus use. And we want to spend a little bit of time looking at that today. Uh, I was in Indianapolis this week visiting my mentor and um, spent a little time with, with him. And so Wednesday night came to blast and was with my family. And uh, we, I got home and I got my kids to bed and I left here about 9.30 to drive to Indianapolis. And so it's about 11 o'clock and I realized that I lose an hour going to Indianapolis. And so I'm thinking, oh, 1.30, that's not going to be too bad getting Indianapolis, into Indianapolis. Then I realized oh, it's going to be 2.30 when I get into Indianapolis. And so I worked through that and I, I get, you know, excited to drive through the, through the late part of the night and I drink a coffee and I make it. There's moments where I text Heather and I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm exhausted, which I'm sure was encouraging to her. Um, but I, I made it to, uh, to Indianapolis and I had followed the GPS and I pull up to my hotel. Well, uh, the organization that I'm, I'm working with and that's mentoring me, they were paying for me to come and to be there with 10 other guys from around the country. And so they had booked my hotel and I pull up and I'm like, man, this is a nice hotel. I'm like, they must know someone. There's no way they're spending this kind of money for me to stay here. And so I, I pull up, it's 2.45 a.m. and I pull up and the lady says, oh, are you here to check in? Yes. She said, well, our system has to switch over. So it's going to probably be about 10 or 15 minutes before you can check in. I'm like, okay, great, even, even later. And so I say, okay, I'm just going to go in and, and sit down. And so I walk into this lobby. It's one of the nicest lobbies I've ever seen in my life. Here's just a, a, a picture of this beautiful fireplace that, you know, is in the middle of this lobby. And I'm like, oh, this is nice. Okay, I can only imagine what my room is going to look like, right, if this is the, the lobby. And so I sit down and I wait for my 15 minutes. And the lady comes in and says, okay, I'll check you in now. I'm like, okay, great. I tell her my name. She goes, oh, do you, do you have a reservation here? <laughs> I said, well, I thought I had a reservation here, and I give her the address, and she says, oh, you're at the wrong hotel. <laughs> okay, good. That's, that's fine. She said, the hotel you're staying at is kind of behind our hotel. I said, okay, that's, that's fine. She goes, you have to drive around back, and she said, there's no sign, um, but you, you drive around back, and you'll find the hotel. It was an old La Quinta, and there was literally no sign. I still don't know where I stayed. I have no idea the name of this hotel. But I go back there and there's chain link fence all around the, the hotel. And then a big piece of plywood spray painted lobby, okay, with an arrow. It's like, okay, that's, that's okay. It's a bed and it's going to be fine. And so I, I ring the bell and about a minute later a guy comes and lets me in, doesn't say anything to me. I walk up and I check in. When I walk up, this is what the lobby of the other place looked like. Okay? And they're doing this massive reconstruction project in this in this hotel, and uh, they apologize for all the dust and the debris and, and everything. And I made my, my way to the hotel, and it was, it was fine. But it's weird how God speaks to me in these situations. And I started thinking about life. And I started thinking about how much of us want the first picture. Yeah. Yeah. Right? We, we want to look like we have it all together. Yeah. Right? We want people to look at us and think, oh, man, I want to be like them. I want to have what they have. But in, in all honesty, most of us feel more like the second one. That our lives are always under construction. People look at us and maybe even wonder what's going on, how we're even making it through the day. And, and so we want the first. We often get the second. Now, what, what could it look like? What could it look like if we see ourselves as the second one, the second picture, and we understood that God does begin to work some things out in our life and that he produces something good in us? maybe not quite the first picture, but he does begin to produce something in our lives. Here's the first question. If you take notes, I, I really want you to wrestle with this. 
and I think this is an important question for all of us, no matter what age you are, what are you wanting to produce in your life? What kind of outcome do you want to your life? Right? At the end of your life, see, because we're all going to get there. I went to a funeral a couple of weeks ago, and um, my, another person I was talking to, his daughter has a tumor, and we talk about um, death, and we talk about we're, we're all moving in that direction. What do you want your life to be about? What are you hoping to produce? Like, what do you want to produce if you're married? What do you, what do you hope the outcome of your marriage is? What do, you, what do you want to produce in that? If you're a parent, what, what are you wanting to produce in your children, in that relationship? What, what do you hope that looks like as a teenager, as a young adult? What, you, you may feel like, well, I'm young. I'll, I'll eventually figure it out. Figure it out now. What do you want your life to look like? What do, what do you want to produce? What do you want it to be about? See, I, I really believe that most of us know what we should be doing. Like, I think most of us know what's best. We know the right decisions. We know the things that are going to produce something good in our life, but we don't always make those decisions. And for many of us, like the, the second picture, we feel like our life is just chaotic. And so day by day, we're like, I just got to survive today. I just got to survive today. I just got to survive this week. I know eventually everything's going to be okay. I'm just hoping to survive. But see, I think the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is much more than just surviving. Like, he talks about having life and having it abundantly. Like, that's not a surviving life. That is a life that thrives, that we produce something that matters. And so I think most of us say, okay, we want to thrive, but what does that really even look like? We want to thrive, but life happens. And so as I started thinking about some of the qualities that many of us possess, and all of us possess at some point some of these, I just started listing some of these qualities that, that we often possess that we probably don't want to, but we often do. Uh, the first one is we're unloving. Right, this is confession time. This is we're going to be honest, and, and there's many times where we're unloving. We lose our temper. We say things that hurt people. This last week, I was tired in the morning. My daughter did something, said something. wasn't a big deal. Uh, but, but just in my moment, I was extremely unloving to my 10-year-old daughter. And I said something. It was one of those moments I said something to Heather, but I knew Kennedy heard me, and it was like immediately wanting to, yeah. to pull it back in, but I knew I couldn't. And so, it, I mean, I immediately said it and then immediately walked back to Kennedy and said, I'm really sorry that I said that. I'm sorry. In that moment, I was extremely unloving. Some of us would, would use the word depressed. Now, this, uh, this is important, and if you've been around here, you've heard us talk about this at times. Uh, there's lots of different types of depression. Uh, my, my family, everyone in my family has struggled with depression at one time or another in different ways. Sometimes situational depression. Things happen, and, and, and so it's the lack of joy that I'm talking about. So not, not necessarily a chemical depression or some other things that are going on, um, but just this, you feel overwhelmed. Like the thought of joy, I'm not talking about happiness, but just this thought of joy seems so foreign, it seems impossible. Or worry, we talk about this often and, and did a survey not too long ago. Worry was one of the main things people checked that they wanted me to talk about was worry. We are anxious people. We fear the unknown. We're impatient. Anybody else impatient? Uh, I'm a parent, so I'm impatient. Uh, I mean, that's, I feel like it goes together if you have small children. It just, I'm, I'm impatient because I have little kids. And so, but, but that's not who I want to be. Like, I am not a patient person at times. 
Like when you drive, I don't know about you, but when I drive, I'm always looking to see at a light who's in front of me, how many cars, if I can see who's driving the cars, what type of cars. If it could save me two seconds, I'll get behind a different car. Right? Or at the grocery store, you look and you see how many people are in each line. Uh, but I go a little farther, and some of you may do this. You count how many things are in baskets. Not only do you count how many things are in baskets, but you look and see who's checking out. And you watch speed. And so I'm telling you, I have a problem. I'm not a patient person. I'm always moving. I walk too fast. I eat too fast. I'm not patient. I want to be. I want to be. But that's not necessarily one of those things I'm always producing in my life or we're rude at times. We're hateful. We, we say exactly what we think, even though it's going to the hurt the people around us. We're sinful. We do things that we know we shouldn't do. We want to do it, so we do it, and that's all that matters. We disobey, and we go against what God would have for us. So we're unfaithful. We're unfaithful in friendships or your job or in marriage. We're harsh. We're critical. We're sloppy with our words, and we're self-indulgent. Or self-indulgent, like, how is this going to benefit me? What, what am I going to get from this? And we do what we want. Almost every day, about 2 o'clock, I roam this building looking for food, okay? And there's nothing healthy, all right? And I tell myself almost every day, don't do it. But then there's something that overtakes me. Something that overtakes me, and I do what I want to do, and I become self-indulgent. And I don't, I don't possess self-control often, Right, so if I was to say how many of you struggle with those, I'm guessing, if you're honest, every one of you would raise your hand to something, if not all of them. If not all of them. So if I was able to sit down with every one of you, if I was able to get knee-to-knee and face-to-face with every one of you, I don't think you would say, Kyle, I'm really wanting to be more impatient. (laughs) Right, I I mean, that seems obvious, but I don't think anyone would come to me and say, I really want to figure out how to be more rude. Or how to be hard. I, I, like, we don't, we don't do that. Like, but, but I think our desire, and I've talked to many of you, is saying, well, how do I possess the other side of those qualities? How do I produce something better in my life than those things? Because it feels like that's what I'm producing at this point. In the scriptures, in the Bible, a guy named Paul, who um, was not a follower of Jesus, he hated Christians, he was actually helping persecute Christians, Uh, all of a sudden becomes a follower of Jesus, and then he helps other people become followers of Jesus, and then he starts these churches, these communities of people, and then he writes letters back to them, helping them. And so we're going to quickly look at at this list that he gives in Galatians 5. If you don't own a Bible, there should be a red one around you. Uh, That would be our gift to you. Please take that. But Galatians 5, 22 and 23 We're going to hear Paul talk about these fruits of the Spirit, these things that can be produced in us as we connect with God. That is, His Spirit dwells in us. So when you begin to say, all right, I'm going to follow Jesus, we invite Jesus to be a part of our life, and His Spirit dwells in us. There's something that can be produced. So Paul's going to talk about some of these fruits that are produced. As I said before, what do you want to produce in your life? Paul's going to give us a list here. But the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So really what I did a minute ago is just took the opposite of all of these, right? I just took the opposite. Is The fruit of the Spirit that he gives us is peace. Well, when I'm worried or anxious, I'm not experiencing peace in my life. I'm not experiencing peace. Kindness, gentleness, Those are fruits of being connected to 
God. Now, this isn't a hard decision. Like, if we lay these qualities out and I said, choose which one you want, I, I, I hope, I hope we're, we're choosing the second one. It's not difficult. My five-year-old, uh, he gets into these moments where he feels like he has these difficult decisions to make, and he'll give this large sigh, oh, it's just so hard. I don't know what to choose. And it's like, it's really not that big of a deal, bud. Just pick one. Just pick one. But for him, it's like, I don't know what to do in the moment. This isn't hard. This isn't hard. So whether you're here and you would say you're a follower of Jesus or you're not, I think all of us, I hope all of us would say, I want to produce those kind of things in my life. I want to be defined by these. I want people to look at me and say, man, he's kind. He's patient with me. Man, no matter what I tell him or what I've done, he's loving towards me. I mean, I think those are the things that we want to produce in our lives. But it's hard at times to actually possess these things. And so the word remain, that there's a key to us being able to possess these, to, to produce these things in our lives. And it's going to be taught in an in a illustration that Jesus gives in John 15. In John 15, he's teaching his disciples, his followers of Jesus, uh, he's actually kind of leading up to the time where Jesus is going to be arrested, he's going to be brutally beaten, and he's going to go to a cross. And so he kind of has this chunk of teaching in John where he teaches his disciples. And you kind of feel like it's that last moment with the disciples, I got to tell them some of the most important things. And this is one of those moments that he is going to explain something to his disciples. And it's found in John 15, 1 through 8. John 15, 1 through 8. I'm just going to stop a couple times as we go through this. John 15, 1 through 8. Verse 1. I am the true vine. This is Jesus talking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now, this, this first part, verse uh, 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. There... There are many of us that need to cut some branches away in our life. We are connected to some things that are not producing anything good in us. Like you have a choice of what you're going to connect yourself to. And whatever you choose is going to produce something. So sometimes it's substances. Like our life feels like the second picture and we feel like it's chaotic and we don't know what to do. And I, and I get that. Like we just need to release. We need to be able to escape. And so many times we turn to substances, and when we do that, it, it produces something in us. It produces something. And for many of you, it's producing things. I've had conversations. It's producing things you don't want. At some point, something has to change, right? Nothing's going to change until something changes. I don't know if you've heard that before, but things are just going to all of a sudden change in, in your lives. And so we have to make some of those decisions to get rid of some of the things. Sometimes it's people, Sometimes it's people. Sometimes the best thing you can do is to pull away. Now, I'm not talking about in marriage. I'm not talking about necessarily in family dynamics, but, but in some friendships, it's not producing anything good in you. The, the next one, I know this is going to eliminate some people, but it's social media. Some of you need to, uh, to cut yourself off from social media. I know for me this summer as I step away and do things differently, I'm completely walking away from every social media possible. And part of that for me is I'll read things that people post on social media, whether it's a story or they like something, and something begins to happen in my heart. 
And oftentimes I don't like what it produces. I don't like what it produces. You make assumptions, you think things. And so some of us need to remove ourselves from that. You'll be okay. All right, you'll survive. You'll, life will go on. But, but man, I just know from my own heart and from my own soul, especially until November, um, I, I, I need to remove myself from some things. And some of the issues that we, that we talk about, I got to remove myself because they're not producing anything good in me. And so you have to look at your own life and say, all right, as I look at relationship, as I look at things I've connected myself to, what is it producing in me and do I like it? And if not, then we get rid of it. And then it's really interesting because Jesus says, even those things that are really fruitful, that the father, the gardener, is going to prune them. The word prune means actually to clean, to kind of strip away. And so for things to be even more fruitful, sometimes you have to step away. You have to say no to some things. For some of you, you, you have a tendency to say yes to everything. I'm, I'm giving you permission to say no to good things, to good things. That there's times that you say yes to something and you're saying no to something else, and your no to something else is more important than what you've said yes to, if that makes sense. Right? So as you think about your family and you think about your job, if, if, and some of you are, are working to provide and, and you need to, and I understand that, but, but, but sometimes there's above and beyond when you should have left and you didn't leave and you say yes to something, you're, you're saying no to your family. So at times, we, we say yes to things when we should say no. And so Jesus says, look, he, the Father prunes some things away, and in pruning those things away, we're going to be even more fruitful. Uh, verse 4, and this is where we hear Jesus use the word remain. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must, must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So this word remain, you could, we could substitute several words into this. You could use this word abide. Uh, you could use uh, the, the idea of to stay, to continually be present, to, to be connected to. And so Jesus is saying, remain in me, continually stay present with me, stay connected to me, and when you do that, I will stay connected to you. Now, he's dealing with an agricultural setting. It's a little different than we are, uh, but I think we're intelligent enough to understand that as soon as a, as a branch gets cut away from a vine, it will no longer produce fruit. I think we understand that analogy. Like, you're not going to cut a, a, a grape a branch off and then take it home and expect for it to continue to produce something. It must stay connected to the vine, which is connected to roots that provide everything that the grape needs to be produced. And so Jesus is saying, without that, you're really not going to produce anything of meaning in your life. If we're not staying connected, if we're not remaining in him, the things that we produce oftentimes will not be what we want to produce. And then he makes kind of this promise that if you stay connected to me, you will bear fruit. Now, what fruit is he talking about? Well, understanding the scriptures and, and how it's not standalone stories and you lay it all in together, I think we could say that he's talking about the fruit that Paul is also talking about. The qualities and the characteristics that, that most of us want to produce. And so I, 
I, I, I'm, I'm on the edge of almost making a promise to you. Like almost making a guarantee that if you are married, if you're married, and I'm going to talk about how we stay connected, but, but if you are connected and the things that begin to be produced in you, I promise will benefit your marriage. I promise. Like if you, if you stay connected to Jesus and you become more kind, husbands, I think that's going to be good for your wives. Wives, if you stay connected to the vine, you're going to be more patient. We need that. You're going to be more patient with your, with your husbands. I don't think I'm going to have people coming into my office and saying, what did you do? I don't like it. My husband is kind to me. He's not harsh. He's loving me. I, I don't think anyone's going to be upset with that. If you are, we have bigger problems. Uh, but, but, but I think it benefits us. It, it, Jesus is saying, stay connected to me and you're going to bear fruit. And I think that fruit that is produced is going to benefit our relationships. As parents, I don't think our kids are going to come to me and say, what did you teach my mom? What did you teach my dad? They're treating me differently. They're, they're more patient with me. They're gentle with me. Like, as those things are produced, it's going to benefit us or your own personal decisions. We all need more self-control. All of us need more self-control. And so we're not just going to produce that by trying harder. I'm going to be more self-controlled. And we've got to stay connected to Jesus. If not, those things that we want produced in our life won't be produced. Verse 6. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It's useless. It's useless my understanding, if we're not connected, the things that we're going to produce, the lasting impact that is going to produce, be produced if we're not connected to the vine, if we're not continually connected to Jesus, I actually think that we'll begin to suffer. That we'll begin to suffer. And some of the things that you are suffering through, some of those areas of chaos in your life could be because the things that are being produced are not the fruits of the Spirit. It's not the fruits of the spirit. Now, I want to point something out because there is this line where you're like, okay, Jesus just said something, and I want to hold on to that, and that's the ask whatever you wish, right? Ask whatever you wish, and it will be granted to you. Now, I want you to understand that that really doesn't mean whatever you wish. We have to look at it in context. So, like, it's not if I want a car or a home or more money. It's, it's not that kind of thing, because if you keep reading, it says that it gives glory to God, so those things aren't necessarily giving glory to God. But I promise, I'm promising a lot today that if you begin to seek God and say, God, will you, will you make me more patient? I think he's going to do something in us and allow us to be more patient. He might even provide opportunities for us to be more patient. Right? And so we have to understand that the whatever you wish isn't really whatever you wish, but it's if you wish to have these fruits in your life, then ask God to begin to produce those in your life. And I think that they will be produced. And then it brings glory to God and, and showing that you, that yourself, are disciples of Jesus. 
that you're a follower of Jesus, a follower of the way. Now, let's just be honest. There's many people who profess to follow Jesus that are not producing these qualities. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that we have to be perfect. I'm not saying I've already admitted to you times where I'm not. But it's when we produce these things and we're not willing to say that they're not good. Right? I, I know a lot of uh, professing followers of Jesus that seem to be full of hate. They're just rude. They're just rude. They're harsh. They're unkind. They're impatient. They're unfaithful. They're unloving. And they lack joy. Now, like I said, I possess all those qualities at times. That's not my desire. My, my desire is to produce something different, the fruits of the Spirit. And when I don't, I'm, I'm quick to admit that I didn't. But too often, I feel like there's many people who profess to follow Jesus that continually do this and don't see anything wrong with it. And I feel like right now more than ever, we have to pay attention to this. We have to pay attention to how we love people, how we treat people, how we speak about people, how we talk about certain issues. Um, and I've wrestled with talking about this today. I've wrestled about this, and so as I talk about it, I, I love conversation, so I'm not just talking at you. Uh, I love conversation. But there are issues in our world right now that are remaining as issues and not about people. Right? It's easy to say what we think about an issue if we remove the humanity out of it. And so as we, as we think about um, the, 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 just one of the main ones, the bathroom issue that's going on in our country right now. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying one way or the other, but I'm talking about the way we speak about it. What we share about it, talking about social media. The way we joke about things. And so this could be... Um, the LGBT community, this could be about culture, it could be about gender, it could be about race, it could be about politics. Those are all issues, but behind every one of those issues is a person who is created in the image of God. Just like you. Just, just like me and, I, and my admittance of the things that I do wrong and my brokenness. I, I've been created in the image of God. And so just be aware as you think about issues, as you think about things, that those are about people. They're about people. And so if, if we're remaining connected to the vine, and we're possessing some of these fruits, and we're producing some of these fruits, then it's going to play out as we have conversations about these things. I, I think that is vitally important to our culture right now. Too often it feels like it's, it's in all different ways, an us versus them, right? And there's fences that are put up, there's walls that are built, and it, it feels like it's us versus them instead of us just seeing us in this together and as community and as people all loved by God. In the Second World War, World War there was a group of soldiers um, that were serving in France and one of their fellow soldiers was killed in the line of battle, and they knew they were getting ready to leave that area. And so they took their fallen soldier to 
a cemetery they had seen with a beautiful Catholic church and this stone wall or fence around the cemetery and the church. And so they had remembered that place, and so they carried their fallen soldier to this church and to this cemetery, and the priest comes out to greet them. And these soldiers say, can we bury our, our friend here? And the priest says, was he a good baptized Catholic? And they say, no, he, he wasn't. And he says, well, uh, let me show you a spot just outside of the fence where you can bury your friend and your fallen soldier. And so the soldiers, it's late, they're tired, they, they dig a grave and they bury their, their friend, their fallen soldier, and they leave. The next day they come back, they're leaving this area, and, and so they want to come back and pay their last respects, and they come back and they can't find the grave. Can't find the grave, it was late at night, they begin to question, was it somewhere else? Did, I, did we dig it and bury him somewhere else? And the priest comes out and they say, Father, we can't, we can't find our, our friend. And the priest says, after you left, I couldn't sleep last night because your friend was buried outside the wall. So I got up and I moved the wall. I got out and I moved the wall. Here's what has to begin to happen for us. So there's lots of fences that have been built. Lots of fences. And if we're going to help anybody experience the love of God, we've got to quit building walls and fences and picking sides. We have to understand, and we have to begin to move some fences and tear down some fences. And the way we do that is we, we don't change what we believe. But we begin to ask God, and he will grant us some of this fruit to be produced in our lives. A fruit that says, I'm loved by God, I'm created by God, and so are you. We've got to move some fences. Each one of us, as a church, we need to move some fences. But you personally need to move some fences, I believe, for yourself. So really, really quickly, I'm going to give you five things that I'm going to commit to doing of remaining. This is going to go really fast, so uh, stay with me. Uh, five things we have to do uh, to remain connected to the vine. The first one is we have to remain in God's Word. So we've got to quit, quit completely connecting ourselves to uh, politics, of culture, of what other people's expectations are, and we have to begin to say, well, what does Jesus say about this? What does Jesus say about how I treat my neighbor and, and how I'm kind and loving? What does Jesus say? And so you can do that on your own. You don't need me to do that for you. You, you can remain in God's Word. So take a Bible, read a Bible, start in uh, Matthew and, and read the stories of Jesus. This summer, uh, the people who are preaching, and, and this is, I'm going to talk more about this, uh, and, and let's just move to a second. Remain in Christian fellowship. So number one, remain in God's Word. Number two, remain in Christian fellowship. So we have to stay connected together. So if these things are going to be produced in our lives, it's going to be really hard if we're doing it alone. And so again, you, you don't necessarily have to have us figure that out for you. Uh, be connected, and we want to do a better job of getting people connected, but you can do that. You can invite people over for a meal. You can have conversations. You can ask how people are doing on your own. But we need to stay connected and remain in God's Word and in fellowship. And so Sunday mornings this summer. If you're in town, I would urge you, beg you to be here. Uh, this has been one of the coolest things is for me to be able to say, right, these are the people I want my, my church community, my family to hear from. Yeah. And so some of my closest friends, some of you've heard before, some of you haven't, uh, but, but I was able to pick some people to come in and to speak. Yeah. And they're going to go through the book of James. Cool. They're going to go through the book of James, and so we're going to walk through that uh, with these people this summer. But it's in community that we have an opportunity to live out this fruit that's being produced in our lives. 
It's only in community. Number three, remain consistent in prayer. Remain consistent in prayer. Uh, this, when, I, when I get back, we're going to do a series on prayer, and then we're going to offer you a month of guided prayer. We actually have a prayer guide, and we figure out what it means to, to pray, to communicate with God, to, to stay connected to the vine in prayer, to pray without ceasing, always having these ongoing conversations with the Father, with God. Number four, to remain faithful in service. Now, you guys are unbelievable in this, and you do such a great job, but this is how we live out what's being produced in our lives, is when we, when we serve, when we're good neighbors. And that's here at Trinity, but also in our community. So we have to figure out what that looks like. Well, I, I want to uh, read one more scripture kind of as a, as a close to this, as a, as a benediction of what I believe we uh, desperately need and want in our lives. It's in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose hearts turn away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. It le- its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. That's who we want to be. That's who I want to be. That's who I want you ha- to have an opportunity to be.